Hello there. Welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy. Today we have episode number 48. Uh, we are continuing our chronological watch through of Star Wars, the Clone Wars. We have Evil Plants, Hostage Crisis, and the Hunt for Zero for you all today. I'm Jacob. I'm Eli. Yes, and welcome back to Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. Um, yeah, should we just get into this? Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Let's uh, let's look at Evil Plans. Yeah, very so very interesting episode in Evil Plans. Uh, we open on a very silly site. It is C3PO micromanaging the preparations for a Padme's senatorial banquet. Now it turns out that a chef droid has somehow forgotten to buy a rare yogan fruit, which is needed for the topping of a special cake, which Padme wants to serve to really uh, butter up um, a, a certain senator who I guess whose vote is, is crucial to introducing a new bill that, that Padme really wants to get passed. So, you know, Aang. typical politics stuff. Yes, Senator Aang. Yes, who that is, is correct. Rudin. Yes, a runin. Yes. So, um, in this is this is a bit more of a um, R two C three PO adventure episode with a twist, as we'll see. They they get sent by Anakin to the market. They buy the Yogan fruits. However, uh, Cad Bane is watching them, and Toto three sixty, who has been resurrected back from the dead, um, entices R two D two to go to a droid spa. Um, once they get lured to the spa, C-3PO gets kidnapped by Cad Bane and Cad Bane's assassin droid. However, R2-D2 manages to somehow make it into the spa. So we have then two parallel opposites where R2-D2 is being treated. He's getting the royal treatment in the spa. Meanwhile, C-3PO is being tortured by Cad Bane. Eventually, R2-D2 also gets captured by Cad Bane. And uh, they are both tortured, and information is extracted, um, Senate diagrams, things like that, nefarious purposes. However, Cad Bane then wipes their memory, and both the droids make it back to the banquet just in time to deliver the Yogan fruit to the chef droid before the cake is supposed to be served. Like yeah. I said, it's an interesting episode. It's quite an interesting episode. I love how you point out the contrast of R2 being uh, pampered and... C-3PO didn't, being tortured, because it wasn't something that I picked up originally. Uh, good catch there. Um, let's just get into this fortune cookie, what do you say? Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. This seems so, like one of those things, uh, this fortune cookie seems like one of those things you'd see on one of those, like, journals that you'd buy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, um, a, a failure in planning is a plan for failure. Now, I do think that this definitely rings true. Like this is definitely a very true statement, it's but I'm not exactly sure. It's yeah, it's a Uno reverse card. card. Fortune cookie, as I call yeah. it. Yeah, I will say I don't exactly know quite how to apply it to this because I mean neither neither the good guys nor the bad guys in this episode seem to learn a lesson. You know, Cad Bane still uh ends up uh, going to Jabba's palace. He gets a not 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 quite a pot of gold, but um he gets a briefcase filled with gold, so he's happy and uh. R2 and C3PO and Padme and Anakin are none the wiser that um that they just had secret information stolen right out from under their noses. But maybe therein 
lies the message, which is that somehow the, the, just some at some stage a droid forgetting to buy a yogan fruit, which is a seemingly insignificant failure in planning, has then set in motion this other plan, which ends up in a massive intelligence coup for enemies of the Republic, where they now have full detailed blueprints of the entire high security senate building see i would wager this fortune cookie was from for java and cad bane because they go in with this clever plan it's not about learning a lesson it's about like it's it's a it's a it's a i mean i don't think it's a conscious thing for dave to say oh we're gonna you know um and the people working on the clone wars say oh you know we're gonna have them the villains show um a lesson on screen but that's what happens here they make a very good plan and it goes flawlessly i mean it goes off without a hitch um yeah often you know i i don't think it's the best fortune cookie and i think this episode is good despite the fortune cookie um yeah actually none of these fortune cookies in my opinion are very good yeah. All right. Do you want to but, just yeah. get on to the episode then? Let's get, yeah, let's get on to this episode. Um, now, right off the bat, I thought a funny thing here was that the this is one of those episodes where the announcer in, you know, the little the little narrator reel at the beginning actually says the name of the episode. I wasn't going to mention so, that. I had that in my notes. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to skip. Oh my God. I'm going to skip that. That doesn't matter. <laughs> we're we're we are mind linked right now. We yes, are part we, of are, we are definitely. We are a forced dyad. Wow, we are really on the same page. Yeah. Um, I. <laughs> I kind of hate I, I don't that, know. honestly. I'm not sure what the thought process was. Like, was it? Did it just fit, and so they wanted to use it, or did they go out of their way? Because I think that would have been evil a little funny. Because I was like, I was a. He was like, evil plan. The narrator, evil plans. And then I just thought to myself, yes. Yeah, thank you for reminding me which episode I'm watching. I. <laughs> I, I kind of I mean, rolled guess, my eyes. I kind of look, I mean, like, really? Look, I mean, I guess I clicked on the episode, but I guess if you're doing a Clone Wars marathon, maybe you're on your second, your third, your fourth episode, you're, do, you're fair, using autoplay. you're watching this when it's maybe like you won't remember. Telepo- televised, you're not going to yeah, know the but then, name of the episode. But then why wouldn't they use that for the rest of the episodes? It, it seems... Yeah, it's, it's a little weird, but you know. It's, it, I, I don't like it myself. I don't know. I, yeah, I had a good... It's a, it's a, I, I had a good eyes. chuckle. I rolled my eyes. I, I had a good chuckle. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. I'm kind of at a loss of where to where, where to kind of find an entry point into this episode for the discussion because it is such a strange episode. These I feel three like episodes in general are so weird. Yeah, they, like, they're so weird. They're not I my totally favorite agree. episodes of the Clone Wars, but I really admire all three of them for really swinging for the fences. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Absolutely. I and I, I mean, love when Star Wars is weird. I love when Star Wars is different. Oh, this gets weird. <laughs> this gets really weird. I mean, that final episode, Hunt for Zero, is like really weird. Um, but I again, I I I love it. It's it's what makes Star Wars interesting. Is are these really strange storylines that you're like, who came up with this? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, I, yeah, that, this is definitely one of those. Um, I think, you know, right off the bat, we see C-3PO engaging in some very, uh, very micromanaging party planning. So I don't know. 
<laughs> I found that's that his job. I found that pretty mean? funny. That's his yeah, job. he's a protocol droid. I guess. Oh. I guess you could see that. Yeah, that's his job. You could say that. There, there is a torture scene, multiple torture scenes in this, in an episode that really, really I thought was gonna. I like the first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh man, this is a, this is totally just gonna be a silly romp." No, no, it is not. <laughs> no, they get captured by Cad Bay and they get tortured. Also, a side note: How can you torture a droid? Why do they? Why are droids programmed to feel pain? So many questions. Of course, you pick up on that. Um, yeah. So many questions. But, but one of my uh, things is: was this remind this episode a lot? Reminds me of the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Um, what do we see at the beginning of Return of the Jedi? The first thing we see is the Death Star, the second Death Star, you know, Palpatine, not Palpatine, it's Vader, but I kind of lump Palpatine in there, um, and, you know, you know, soon the rebellion will be crushed, and young Skywalker will be the one of us. Um, and then, what's the first thing we see on the hero side? It's R2 and 3PO just walking on Tatooine. I am afraid, and I don't know why you, you aren't R2. Lando Calrissian and poor Chewbacca yeah. never got back from that awful place. It's this contrast of the super dark and serious with this super whimsical and, like you said, silly. And I really actually like that. I think, I think, I mean, for one episode, I think it's fine. And I think, I think this episode is made all the more better by knowing where it goes. I think Evil Plans is only as good as it is because, in my opinion, because of hostage crisis in Hunt for Zero. Hmm. Yeah, I I would I would agree. I think on its own, this episode, I don't. I honestly don't think it has a lot going on. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest here. But um, yeah, it it definitely it definitely ties into the larger picture in an interesting way, considering how this episode has kind of a hap- it, it has a happy feeling and ending, and it definitely. It, the episode definitely comes off as if it's trying to give that happy ending kind of and yet in the larger picture this kind of this sets into motion something quite sinister yeah it's interesting i really like again this arc i think as a storyline works really well um i would also like to point out um, let's talk about seth green in this episode because he absolutely kills it i think he gives the best performance in this episode, um, as Toto 360, um, I I love I, every time Seth Green shows up as Toto 360. I I adore it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I really it's, love it's... because first he does the whole faux salesman thing, where he <laughs> pitches the droid spot at hard two. No, that uh, the assembly uh, to C three PO the assembly line you you used to be. Um, yeah, and then that, that he, was. And then he does the thing where he uses psychological warfare against um, R two, which first of all, I didn't know droids were capable of delivering psychological warfare. Second of all, I didn't know droids were capable of being impacted by psychological warfare. But I, I'll leave that to you. Um, but like, oh, I don't know what I don't know what that little droid's gonna think where when he finds out that we we uh that that his his friend has been scrapped to bits you know it, it's it's yeah. yeah there's a it, there's a lot it is um it is it gets really heavy um here's an interesting more question i have for you that i couldn't stop thinking about in this episode yeah the place where cad bane is torturing c3po and r2d2 
Where is that? I guess it's just a hideout on Coruscant somewhere. I mean, they, they I do have think some... it's in the works. Yeah, the works is just... You, you need to put something on Coruscant. It needs to be shady. It's the works. Yeah. It is the works. Uh, in case people do not know, the works is the technical um, term for the area of Coruscant um, that housed a building in which Palpatine and Dooku met at the end of uh, Attack of the Clones. It's basically um, a bunch of abandoned factories, and the Clone Wars loves to use it as a place for a, for shady business to go down. Yeah. I don't know if it's the works, but my headcanon is that it's in the works. Yeah, I, that, that would make some sense to me, because, I mean, if, if, a Sith, if two Sith Lords can meet up there and, and fly under the radar... I have I have no doubt that um that Cat Bane could uh could fly under the radar as well. Absolutely, yeah. Do you have anything to say about the the droid spa experience? Nothing other than you know Star Wars has often been described um as contrasted with other science fiction universes, and I know depending on your definition of Star Wars, it might not be a science fiction. It might be it might be a fantasy or whatever. The idea of Star Wars being a lived-in universe that, you know, comparing with something like, and I have a very, very low knowledge of this franchise, but comparing it with something like Star Trek, where Star, yeah. Star Trek is very clean, it's very, you know, pristine, it's very polished, and Star Wars is definitely not. It's, you know, how many times do we see the Falcon or the Razor Crest or the Ghost get just absolutely torn apart? Um... But it's interesting to see a clean aspect of a lived-in universe. You know what I mean? Yes, because I feel like it's yeah, a weird... such a good point. So much of of what made um, Star Wars kind of the way it is is yeah, how lived in and and how run down a lot of the original trilogy felt. And even and like I think the prequels that's... and the sequels, you know? Yeah, I think the prequels definitely. Yeah, you could criticize it, saying it felt a little too pristine at times. But you know, I, I kind of realized that it's supposed to be parts of the universe. Yeah, but yeah, I, I definitely think that that has really contributed to the identity of, of Star Wars and what we know as kind of the Star Wars, the Star Wars feel and the Star Wars yeah. aesthetic. I want to talk about C three PO in this episode because I I find some things funny about him in this episode. So I love that C three PO accidentally reveals to them that um, R two would be the one to have the plans and the blueprints. That just that that's um, just the most C three PO thing ever. In my it is, opinion. and it, there's that it line the from um, Rise of Skywalker when Poe says to um, C three PO, um, "The one time we want you to talk, you can't." Yeah, um, and that yeah. that gave extra weight to that moment. Yeah, I I think that. Is a perfect encapsulation I mean, of what, what is happening. C three PO talking has has like has held the Senate hostage for like three hours, and yet the one time they have a dagger, they he just can't that they need translated. He just can't do it. Yeah, I know. The Empire has been brought down by C three PO talking. Yeah, pretty pretty much, pretty much. Um. You I mean, could, if, you could say that if he could not communicate with those Ewoks, you know, that would have been a lot harder. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so then eventually, you know, they they catch up to R two D two. Um, somehow they 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 completely miss R two the first time, and R two. I'm not sure if it, this is one of his uh, kind of vindictive moments 
Because you know R2 can be a little sassy sometimes. R2 is Especially just like, with C-3PO. R2 is just so this, a legend, honestly. Yeah. So I, I think maybe R2, when CPO, when 3PO is screaming, R2, come back, or like whatever it was, he just assumed, oh, he doesn't need help. He's, he, he's just trying to, I don't know. He, yeah, he's, he's just trying to get me not to go to the droid spa. But somehow he makes it into the droid spot without realizing that. Well, then his again, it's like friend um, has just the, the droid spot for me was like. Were they intending to capture both droids, or were they just intending to capture three PO because they thought that three PO would have the data? Because that's how what? I chose to interpret the episode. Oh. That's how I interpreted the episode is that they didn't capture R two because they didn't think R two was going to be useful to them possibility i mean i would have to go back to really figure that one out but i do i mean cad bane i think it's it's unclear if cad bane now i would i will say that i think cad bane didn't necessarily know that there were going to be two droids because he he said um you know when 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 c3po accidentally reveals r2 he says r2 there's another droid like or i don't know what he says exactly but he says the astromech so uh, yeah, it, it's unclear. I would also like to ask you another question, just generally about this whole heist thing. How did they know where they would be? Like Coruscant's a really big planet. Well, b- because Toto, remember Toto three sixty? He was the one who um, Toto three sixty was the one who uh, invited them to the droid spawn, kind of. No, I got no, them in there. Before that, before that. Before that, they they just walk into Coruscant. Uh, yeah, that's Bane a good point. Three sixty just happen to see them there. This can be fixed really easily, really easily. Yeah, I mean they must have just been tracking them or shoot something. Shoot a I don't scene, know. just shoot a scene where Bane just flies by Padme's apartment discreetly and just plants a tracker right yeah. there. That's Eli. all you need to do. Not a listening, a, a, a listening device. That's all you got to do. Yeah. I know this is one of your favorite things to say, so this may come as a uh, Uno reverse card moment for you. Star Wars is about the why, not the how. Yeah, I know. I, this I is definitely know. I, yeah. That, this is definitely one of those moments. Here's the thing: I understand that Star Wars is about the why, not the how, and I love delving into the why. Star Wars in a Galaxy is sometimes a show about pointing out the hows. Yeah, that is that is true. That is that is something that I like that we like to do. I agree. So Kat, uh, Bane brings the plans to um, Jabba the Hutt, um, and then he meets with the heads of the five Hutt families. Man, I, Jacob, I know you so know cool you right know here. I'm all about this, but like um, about these weird like spinoff ideas. But like, how is a Game of Thrones style show like not like the tone, but like the style of that? Intri- the, like the the political intrigue with the different clans and all that stuff with the five hut families not currently in development right now i mean that just sounds incredible i i absolutely love this scene you know cad bane yeah. i think you could really make a case for him being maybe pos- maybe possibly the coolest bounty hunter just because how he I mean, he is in his prime in the Clone Wars. He is confounding yeah. Jedi left and right. We, and we have our we have our famous declaration, which I forgot was in this episode. Um, the Hutt's like, um, who would who's gonna do this thing for us? And and Bane steps forward. That would be me, Cad Bane, at your service. I'll take on any job for the right price. 
Oh yeah, that, that's like, such a great moment. I, I love it's that. that iconic line. I, I hate Cad Bane. I don't like his character, but that is a really cool moment. I really like the mo that that is the moment that I think of when I think of Cad Bane, uh, because it just is, it establishes him, establishes him as this gunslinger esque bounty hunter who is like you know, I know he does a lot of evil stuff in the Clone Wars, um, but like. That guy's the definition of true neutral. In our like our our uh, the alignment charts, so I I do think that the last scene with the Hut Council made this episode a lot better. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. A lot, a bit it, more. Um, it's a great ending to the episode. Yeah, he really uh kicked it. I feel like he really kicked it up a notch in an episode that felt not necessarily too geared towards children it felt sort of baseline yeah it, it just felt kind of i don't know i'm not sure quite the word i'm looking for it just it, it felt like it needed something it needed that uh it needed that extra something it seemed too simple of a premise for me at least. yeah it seemed too simple of a premise it needed something to kick it up a notch and that kicked it up a notch yeah absolutely i had some trivia I had I oh, some, yeah, trivia, some uh, important things. Uh, what, one very important point that kind of confused me as I was watching this. This episode takes place after Holocron Heist, the episode when Toto 360 was destroyed. But it was actually Anakin Skywalker who rebuilt Toto 360 because he wanted to try and access his memory banks to find information on Cad Bane. Obviously, this didn't work because now, of course, Toto 360 somehow ended up back with Cad Bane. Where was that story of Anakin rebuilding Toto? I have no idea. I found it in the trivia gallery, but I'm sure it's a very interesting one. Also, also, the Baker droid in this episode is voiced by Duff Goldman of the Food Network show Ace of Cakes. Uh, That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, that's pretty fitting. Not much to say there. It is. It's it's quite a cake that he uh, he put together. In what is undoubtedly in my opinion one of the 20 best episodes of star wars the clone wars in order to arrange the release of zero the hut cad bane takes a plethora of bounty hunters including um or a sing including um is is a c21 high singer in this i think it's c21 high singer um Ro- like robonino shahan Lama, a bunch of bounty hunters and he holds the Senate hostage. Um, all the senators in there and Chancellor Palpatine in his office, along with Ryloth Senator Orrin Freita, are held hostage in the Senate. Anakin and Padme are having a little romantic escapade when this happens. So, um, And in a measure of trust, um, Anakin gives Padme his lightsaber. Um, so the entire episode is basically Anakin running around um, trying to help the senators without his lightsaber which padme has and padme trying to conceal to the bounty hunters that she has the lightsaber um the episode ends with palpatine arranging the release of zero the hut and cad bane taking off with zero the hut uh and anakin narrowly rescuing the senators from a ticking time bomb that bane set up in the senate and yeah that's hostage crisis off the bat i gotta say it, I don't know why, but for a long time it was it was a long, long time, um, from uh from when I watched Hostage Crisis to when I watched Hunt for Zero, 
And I loved the cliffhanger that, that it left this episode on. I really, because you didn't know what was happening. You didn't know where Cad Bane was taking Zero. You didn't know why they wanted Zero. Um, it was, it was, it, it's a great ending to the episode, in my opinion. So the fortune cookie here, a secret shared is a trust formed. Hmm. I mean, I don't have a lot of thoughts about this one, to be honest. Yeah. But, uh, it's not a great fortune cookie. It's a really incredible episode. Um, but I, I'm not a huge fan of the fortune cookie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can, I can only think of the obvious, the quite obvious example of Anakin and Padme, you yeah, know, that's pretty much it. Honestly, you could say that they're pretty much, they're living a, a they, I mean, obviously they've got a secret marriage at this point. So they definitely have a lot of trust there to, to be able to, um, and yet part to, of to be able to pull that off and feel comfortable doing that. Them learning to trust each other more. Part of this episode is them learning to trust each other more. Um, because, you know, um, there's that very cheesy prequel-esque scene um, that reminds me of the prequels in the dialogue. Isn't our love more important to you? Anakin, the work I do, the work we both do, is important. Um, and it's Anakin and Padme both trying to figure out where their love for each other fits into their equation. Yeah. Um, I'm... Now, the Jedi have determined that I like that that such love should not be in the equation, but Anakin and Padme are trying to sneak it in somewhere. I mean, to be honest, I thought that uh, Anakin was going full, uh, full, uh, creepy, manipulative attack of the clones. Anakin on Padme here, just the way he, he was saying everything. He does. Do it was pretty aggressive. I was like, "Whoa, Buster, Buster, what are you, what are you doing here, bud?" Like, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of the um, the robot chicken sketch. Uh, can I get a different Jedi? This one keeps giving keeps me. Giving I, me want I want you eyes. eyes. Yeah. No, I'm not. No, <laughs> I wasn't. Reminded, like, yeah, the whole thing was just kind of weird. He was like, "Oh, let's go get away. Let's go. Let's let's go." Um, we'll be it, gone it, even before. We'll we'll be back before they even notice we're gone. Two weeks. She's a senator. I really doubt that. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of senators uh, in Star Wars, but but, but, but also he's an important one. But yeah, but Padme is the one that seems to be assigned to everything. Yeah. So I really doubt that they just miss them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. But I mean, the 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 exchange, it kind of mystified me. It was I think it was supposed? To, I don't know. They played it as if it was a little supposed to be romantic, but Anakin just came off way too aggressive. To be completely that fair, to be that's the what case. half of Star Wars, the prequel trilogy, is. Okay, yes, that is. I do think that Anakin was being kind of manipulative here, the way he oh, definitely, yeah. He was just like, "Yo, let's go, let's go take a vacation." She says, "Oh no, I can't. I have work." He says, "Oh, so you you think? Oh, so you don't love me as much as you love your job?" She it, says, "No." Actually, he says, "I love you more than anything." Like it actually seems so like weird. quite a Palpatine <laughs> thing to do, which. Yeah, um, I mean, clearly Palpatine's been rubbing off on Anakin because of course uh, he has. Um, no, absolutely, yeah. and I and I think I, I I only mean that as a good thing story wise because I think it's showing how much Anakin is falling under Palpatine's influence. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the lightsaber part that that is a little weird to me because. By the way, let's talk I mean, about completely missing the point of 
Obi-Wan's lessons. Yeah, he completely um, misses the point of Obi-Wan like Wilson. The- <laughs> that being said, I do think it is when, great When Obi-Wan gave me this lightsaber, he told me, Anakin, this weapon is your life. This weapon is my life. That's not what he meant. That's not yeah. what he meant. Yeah, he I meant that this lightsaber literally might be the only thing between you and death. Yeah, not that yeah. It should be your <laughs> life's calling. Like, yeah, not that you should give it away to your 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 wife. Like that's, that's not, not what this what he... is for. That, to be fair, though, to be fair, I do think that you could make the case that it's symbolic, and that really it's showing it. It's a symbol of how Anakin is is kind of giving up or kind of maybe maybe not quite sure what the word is not quite sure how to describe this but he might be maybe not committing to his jedi duties as much as he could be or he could be kind of abandoning some of his commitment to the jedi code because he loves padme and that's symbolized by him giving his lightsaber to padme i had a slightly different interpretation of it which is i thought it's a symbol of his him putting all of his emotional eggs in one basket. Ooh, yeah, that's him. true. Also, he really he clings on to Padme. So hard, like... devoted, because because again, part of Anakin's fall of the dark side is like just not being able to recognize moderation. Yeah, and it's just like he is. So I mean, honestly, can you incredibly devoted to Padme? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, can you and blame not him? Not in a healthy way, but like yeah. a really, really unhealthy way. But I think the the attachments that he forms. Obviously, I think. Can you blame him? I think yes, you could, but also I, I think it's a little unfair to completely fault him. Like obviously, there were some circumstances in terms of the age at which he joined the Jedi, and him lose losing his uh his mother that kind of contribute to that. It's wrong to, in my opinion, to say that Anakin was a completely was completely a product of circumstance. But it's also wrong to me to say that Anakin's completely a product of choice. Yeah, I think he's a product of this is gonna this is gonna sound like a Jabba's palace. It's gonna sound like a Jabba is at Jabba's palace moment. But yes, Anakin is both a product of circumstance and his own decisions. Yeah, that is that is how. It, 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 yeah. his, it, it, he's a complicated mess of a human being. Yeah, he's <laughs> very very complicated. <laughs> And I mean, humans are by default, I think, pretty pretty darn complicated. And I know, Anakin but he really, is complicated uh, for a human. Yeah, Anakin is so complicated. Gosh, people are gonna think we're aliens, and now we're talking about humans. <laughs> oh my god! I've heard weirder. I've heard weirder. Yeah. So I mean, getting on, you know, re- what what's funny to me also is that as Anakin, uh, presumably as Anakin and Padme are having this discussion. There's also this skirmish happening on the landing platform, and Cad Bane and his bounty hunting, uh, his bounty hunting henchmen and henchwomen are, uh, are 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 basically breaking into the sand. That would be too hasty. Yeah, I mean that part was yeah. cool. That was, and they brought commando droids, so you know they had the they had that separatist moolah. Uh, oh, I don't think buying that's their that way was. to Coruscant. Okay. You don't? Oh, you think they were captured? No. I think they were just like. I think yeah, I think they just found them somewhere. I don't think this has anything to do with the Separatists, honestly. Yeah, that, that's a yeah. I think that's a possibility, also. Yeah, I I really don't think this has anything to do with the Separatists, but that's just me. Um, I I think you're yeah. probably right. They the they way, did not have the same coloration. Let's talk about something that's truly. Uh, I don't. Know. Ooh. 
Yes, please do. What are, what bill are they voting on? Um, are they discussing the, the enhanced Holy? privacy invasion bill? Correct. Which this I seems mean, like an invasion of privacy, doesn't it? I mean, the irony here is that unless I really misinterpreted what is what was going on, I thought that the enhanced privacy invasion bill was being pitched by Palpatine, which makes me wonder why then if he wanted it to be popular and he wanted it to pass, why would he call it the privacy invasion bill? <laughs> and that, that's, that's kind of, that's funny. A couple things. First of all, I think we'll touch back on the, the privacy invasion bill next episode. Um, because I think it comes up in the next arc, actually. Um, I think yep. it's a bit of, I might be wrong. I might be completely wrong, but I, but I seem to remember um, it being brought up in the next, um, in the next couple of episodes. Um, either way, um, yeah, but like, tell me it's not ironic that they're voting on a privacy invasion bill. And yet their privacy in the Senate is being actively invaded by bounty hunters. Yeah, that is some, um, it's that is something, some great I've dramatic seen this irony. Episode, I've seen this episode five or six times. Probably wow. more. This is one of the episodes I've seen of the Clone Wars the most. I adore <laughs> this episode. This is the first time I saw that. This is the first time I realized that one. Um, yeah. Um, one of my favorite things of this episode is... Um, What's the first thing that Cad Bane says when he enters the atrium? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Morning, senators. Morning, senators. That's all. That's all he needs. That's all that Cad Bane needs. He it's also just straight up executes a senator. senator yeah, he, that is that is brutal. He uh, and and notice man. the way this seems very Western inspired to me. Notice the way he kills him. Notice the blaster shot. He's, it's a behind-the-back sort of thing. It seemed very much like a Western gunslinger sort of thing. And, like, just the hat alone, Bane provokes that very Western gunslinger vibe. It's a shame to me that... Do we ever see Cad Bane on Tatooine? Um, yeah, doesn't he go to Tatooine at the end of the last episode? He shows up, he's at Jabba's palace, isn't he? Duh. <laughs> that's not exactly what i meant but duh you mean you um, want to really see him spend some time on tattooing like not java's palace like actually on the sands of tattooing yeah. like in moss Eisley yeah or something. i would love that hey yeah. here's a question do we ever know do we know how cad bane dies does he die has he had a canon death yet technically no but kind of yes so th there is an arc there is an arc that was not rev ever reviewed for that, that. That it was one of the uncompleted arcs. Oh, so it's unclear um, whether or not it's canon. It, it's very unclear, and it's also very unclear um, whether or not Bane dies. But I think he does. So there's an arc where Cad Bane um, hooks up with Boba Fett and his crew uh, in season seven. Yeah, and. His his one goal is that he is is that he and Django Fett had a very famous rivalry. Yes, but he ne but they never. This seemed like a very Star Wars fan arc. Actually, they never got to see who was the better uh, bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, very very so, Star Warsian. So what does Cad Bane do? Of course, 
he knows that that Django has a clone who's also a bounty hunter, a clone son who's also a bounty hunter. So he decides to train Bubba up, and then, so they can finally find out. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of that arc, they have a shootout. It's unclear what exactly happens. Hmm. I think, based on evidence of what I've seen, it looks like Bane dies in that gunfight. What it, but we, what we also see, what the final shot of the the concept shot of that arc was, is Fett's helmet falling to the ground, and you know that like dent on his helmet. Uh, yes. That's how the dent got there. Oh. It's from a shootout with Cad Bane. I, I don't know if he died, but from everything I've seen, it looks like he died. Because if you were saying Cad Bane is perfect for a Western, I would have wanted to see a season one Mandalorian cameo or, or him coming back for an episode. Yes, he would be pretty old, but you know, he's it, an alien. I've, I've seen, he I think probably it was actually Brian from uh, Pink Milk mentioning that he'd love to see Cad in The Mandalorian. So it's not a completely like wild idea. There yeah. are some people who really, I mean, I don't want to see it just because I really don't like Cad Bane, but like. Yeah. Um, I think The Mandalorian but, relies on cameos a bit too much anyway. But I mean, since, since, since it seems to be a. Cad's different. Yeah, he is different. I, I want to see. I, I actually, Cad Bane, the coolest. A, a Bane type cameo is a cameo I'd love to see in the Mandalorian, because it's like what what I think got a lot of people irritated about the Mandalorian season two cameos, which I was not irritated by them as much as I know some people were, but I acknowledge that some people were kind of pissed off with that. What I think because all of those characters were super weighty, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, even Bo-Katan was a, and and Cobb were big deals. Mm-hmm. Half cameos that aren't big deals. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have Bosk show up for an episode because he can't. Nobody cares about Bosk. You know what I mean? I mean, like I love Bosk. I'm sure there are many people on Twitter who would get so, who would yeah. who would who would uh that's they would disagree. I mean. But um, that's, that's yeah. not what I mean. I understand what, what you mean. I, mean I understand like, what you mean. Bosk doesn't have the weight on the universe that that Bo-Katan or like. Or a bigger cameo like Luke or Ahsoka would. Yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Neither does Cad Bane. And I'd love to see something like that. I think that would be really interesting. Because it would be a cameo, but it wouldn't be as weighty. Anyway, back to the hostage crisis. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things is Palpatine tries the good old we're not going to negotiate with terrorists thing. You yeah, should and, and- know that the Republic does not take kindly to such threats. Except for when we do everything you tell yeah. us to. Yeah, and I mean, but Cad Bane, clearly, <laughs> clearly that doesn't work on Cad Bane. Cad Bane knows what he's gotten into. It seems like, I mean, Cad Bane and just, he will do anything. As he says, he'll take, he will literally take on any job if the price is right. Sith yeah. Lords working for the Huts. there's nothing he won't do. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's kind of why I love him, because he is just so ambitious, and it shows. Yeah. You know, but clearly that he is yeah, he is so ambitious. He might he he'll, he'll take on any job. Maybe even the kidnapping uh of a fifty year old baby midget. <laughs> oh my gosh, I see where you're going with this. You that was I mean that would have been a great idea. Someone call up uh, Yeah, man, someone someone call up um Dave Filoni or uh John Favreau. because I mean it does seem like be... 
they 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 went there with Cobb Vanth, and they went there like Bo. It does seem like the kind of thing they do. Yeah. You know what? Also, seems like the kind of thing they do. What? Uh, Not do that. Make, <laughs> what? No, I was gonna go with make. Uh, I have an idea. Maybe you have a certain emperor who's waiting out there on the outskirts of the galaxy. Send a certain <laughs> Sith hunter after, um, the kid. Just a thought. Oh, oh I see. You. Ochi of Bestoon. Oh we wow. We need our Ochi of the Mandalorian. This is what we. This is what I'm talking about. I waited I two freaking months. But... <laughs> At the time of this recording, um, actually, I think the day we're releasing this is the day the final uh, issue of the Ochi arc of the Vader comic comes out. Um, I'm 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 gonna be like next episode. I'm gonna be so so excited. I'm gonna be buzzing and about that comic. You have just been completely spoiled by this Vader comic. It's just I. Have. It's just you're been lucky OG that madness. it's coming to an end. Yes, I am. I am lucky. Hopefully, we can uh, move on with our lives. <laughs> no, actually, guess what? What? There's, there's a new arc in in the Vader comic as well as cross crossing over into other comics called War of the Bounty Hunters, which is about Vader. Um, no, which is not about Vader. It's about Boba Fett transporting Han Solo to um, Jabba's palace and how that road is not such an easy one. Guess who's yeah. been seen on? on one of the covers of one of the War of the Bounty Hunters comics. Ochi of Bestoon. <laughs> the madness continues is what I'm saying. Here's something I love about this episode. Yep. Um, I find it really interesting that these Bounty Hunters don't really seem like a huge threat. You know what I mean? They They're don't not. seem very competent. But Anakin without a lightsaber is like... It's... They are scary. Yeah, I mean, lightsaber. absolutely. I uh, I think this I kind see. of shows how maybe Anakin relies a little too much on his lightsaber. Though then again, I, guess, I think it probably shows how all Jedi relied a little too of this era. Yeah, they're just the, they're lightsaber junkies. <laughs> they can't it, get it enough. Ma- it makes sense with you know you like to point out the hubris of the Jedi. Um, yeah. We're not in touch. We're, we're they're such warriors that what are they completely useless without their late shiny laser sword? The laser sword isn't the important part. The fighting also is not the important part. Yeah, but like yeah, humorous of the Jedi. Really, just for me, it's like this episode. I it's it's interesting because it doesn't actually have that much dialogue. Yeah, and. Again, I think that's a strength of the episode. I think it relies; it's a very visual episode, and I think it, I think it, it tells the story really well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so, big swaths of the episode. Yeah, Anakin takes that, out that entire IG assassin droid with no dialogue. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's what I call Genji Tartakovskying it. Yes, definitely Genji Tartakovskying it. I think um, that is our new, yeah. that is a, that is a new one. Genji it was interesting that, it. yeah. Uh, right alongside prejudice yeah and i think yeah i was really interested in how anakin kind of moved tartakovsking yeah tartakovsking i want to go back actually for a minute to where anakin kind of moved how anakin moved without his lightsaber and how the um i think the bounty hunters even knew that he i mean obviously he's more vulnerable without his lightsaber but you'd think you know a jedi he can use the force but i mean they they take they make pretty short work of anakin without his lightsaber. Like, yes, he does. Yes, they do kind of corner him. But I think that just shows how, you know, the, the superior 
kind of tactics and outnumbering effect can still work even on Absolutely. Jedi, especially of this I, era. I I think it's a combination of the of the tactics thing, and I also just think it's a combination of the Jedi relying a little too much on their lightsabers. Yeah, and I think it's it's almost kind of a metaphor for the the entire plot of the prequels. You know, the Jedi they're they're struggling a little bit, but you know they think they've got everything under control. They think they're fine. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're surrounded and pop, they're getting lightning all over their body and they are down for the count. Yeah. Or some might call it unlimited power. And, and then we get Cad Bane, yet another hollow call, really uh, running up the bill this episode. Um, asking Though, frankly, for... does he care? No, obviously not. <laughs> no, he doesn't care. He's like, he's like, my employers are like the richest people in the galaxy. They're the huts. They're not going to... They're not going to care. They're going to foot the bill, no problem. They want this guy in the... Like, they want this guy, and they want him bad. And, yeah. I mean, ultimately, they want him in the dirt, but they, they still want him, so I'm going to get him, and they're going to they're gonna pay me. They're going to pay me out the wazoo. He talks in uh, in Evil Plans, a little exaggerate, uh, exaggerative, I'm sure, but about rearranging his busy schedule. Yes, that, that part. That part made me... That part really made me chuckle. Yeah, he really plays the hostage situation perfectly, even though he's pretty much outnumbered, surrounded by the end. The clones are closing in. I want to watch this episode with Holocron Heist. Yeah, I think that would give the, some the, more context. And, and it's and it's and it's interesting because if you watch this chrono, if you watch this release order, the episode after Holocron Heist, after Hostage Crisis, is Holocron Heist. But there are two straight episodes of Cad Bane just absolutely slapping the Jedi. Let's go to zero, shouldn't we? Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Um, one of my least favorite characters is somehow back. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and so my favorite part is, did you notice when they're releasing him the the prison? The uh, clone trooper, yes. <laughs> the clone on the right. Oh he just my goes, God. oh my, yeah. This right, zero's I'm like, like ah, that clone trooper eyes. is that clone yeah. trooper is me so much. Yes, I that clone trooper is also me because somehow. Zero is just the most annoying. To use a to use a common character. meme, I know a lot of people use. Somehow zero returned. Yes, but I mean, zero is one of those characters. <laughs> oh, I think geez. zero is one of those people, one of those personalities where he he knows he knows that he's being annoying. He knows that he's being annoying. He knows that people don't like him, but he does not care. He's just like you know. He I'm, better I, not because I'm doing what I gotta do. I'm. I'm I'm getting you're getting mad and I'm getting rich. That's what says. Yeah. That's his mo. You'll regret this. No, I think I'll become rich from this. Yeah, yeah. It's a line from the Clone Wars movie. Yeah. Let's talk Absolutely. about another line. Oh, but no, 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 no! But I don't want to go to the Senate. Yeah, that's exactly just the. Oh, oh my gosh. And you know, and the, and the thank fact God that, they um, make him a MacGuffin. Yeah. The fact that one free taw is in this too. Just, I and think, he's not the even mo- mo- the most annoying character in this episode. Yeah, that. Really yeah, I mean, lot. it's kind of the uh, the ultimate showdown for uh, who is taking the title of the most annoying, most annoying and the whiniest. And I think no one can top zero when it comes to those categories. That is just. I'm trying to think oh of a gosh. character I find more annoying than. Oh well, Darth Maul, but like you know. Uh, Maul, yeah. <laughs> but but other than that. Um, and I'm like, I'm trying to think, think of a character you find more annoying than Zero. And I'm like, oh yeah, Bo-Katan. Um, I adore this episode. This episode is great. 
yeah, there's a lot to there. There's a lot more to like in this episode, and uh, yeah, and Hunt for Zero. I think it's a very yeah, it, it's, it's quite an, an odd interesting trilogy, line. but it's a good trilogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do so, have, do you have trivia, or should we proceed on? Um, trivia, trivia, trivia. Oh, yes, I do. So. One of these uh, criminals, the one, the bounty hunter, actually, I think, zaps Anakin um, in the Robinino. back. Robinino. Robinino. He's referred to in the script as Fish Guy and is based on an unused Ian McKay concept for an aquatic Jedi, which is interesting because the only time we ever see uh, this character model used in the Clone Wars, it's always a criminal. Oh, yeah. This, this same him species. And yeah, him and Banamu. That's it. Um, well, we Man. see Rowan, you know, a couple more times in. Yeah. We see him in um, the season uh, four, uh, the bounty hunter arc. Yeah. Um, Man. Yeah. These fish dudes must be really tired of getting typecast as criminals. That would frustrate me. Yeah. Imagine if, like, ten years from now, yeah. the frog people just get typecast oh my gosh. as lovers constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that would be the equivalent of. Yeah, this is basically to me with such a rare species in Star Wars. The equivalent of having two separate um, lizard frog people lover couples in one TV show. Yeah. So and and Season then three of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Let's make this happen. And Robinino's backpack says Pats fan in Arabesh. So of course he must be a Patriots fan. So I'm not sure if this uh, the fact that he is also wanted by the law. I'm not sure if this somehow Dave Filoni magically predicted the. Uh, the football deflating scandal from a few years back. Oh, I thought just one of the animators was probably a Patriots fan. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Sorry to... That is a possibility as well. No, yeah, no. Yeah, which is which is more likely? Dave Filoni can see the future or someone on the animators likes the Patriots? Actually, you tell me. Dave Filoni has been scientifically proven to have seen the future many times, so... <laughs> yeah, Okay. Hunt for Zero, quite possibly one of the weirdest episodes in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Um, Cad Bane drops off Zero the Hut on the planet, on the Hut home world of Nal Hutta. Um, he is imprisoned by the rest of the Huts um, because uh, he is refusing to reveal the MacGuffin for the episode, which is a diary c containing, quote, the nefarious deeds of the Hut Council. But all is not lost for Zero because he is freed by his former lover, the Pollowick um, singer who eventually sings Lofty Neck in Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi, Cy Snoodles. Um, meanwhile, oh, meanwhile, the Jedi also kind of want Zero back because, you know, he was supposed to be, uh, um, because they want the diary too. Um, uh, and so they send Obi-Wan Kenobi and surfer Jedi Quinlan Voss. Um, and so the entire episode is a pretty big chase between, um, between not only, um, uh, it's a pretty big chase, um, not only are Obi-Wan and Quinlan going after, um, Zero and Psy, but indeed also, um, Cad Bane is rehired to go after, uh, Psy and, um, Zero. Um, they, uh, Zero makes a stop at his mother's house, Mama the Hut. um, who lends him? Who lends him her ship? Um, they go to the planet of Teth, um, where Zero hid the diary at his father's grave, 
and then it is revealed that Sai is working for Jabba the Hutt as a bounty hunter, and she then kills her former lover and takes the diary back to Jabba on Tatooine. Meanwhile, Cad Bane and Obi-Wan and Quinlan all get to um, Zero's body and where the diary is supposed to be way too late, um, and then they fight for basically no reason, and that's how the end episode ends. With Bane getting away, and Obi-Wan and Quinlan also getting away, but coming up empty-handed both times. Fortune cookie. Love comes in all shapes and sizes. And that's an interesting episode to deploy this uh, fortune cookie. I do like the message. You could have done so many other things. I mean, in this particular instance, one of those shapes and sizes ends up kind of murdering the other one no full-on yeah. murdering the other one so i'm not no, sure if that was the best of. possible literally shoots him yeah maybe that maybe that's not the absolute best uh yeah. best uh, I, I came possible, up with the better but, fortune know. cookie i came up with a better fortune cookie this is legitimately a note i wrote down um keep in mind i was pretty tired when i did these um so i was probably going a little bit off charts here but literally i i wrote down is this even star wars anymore uh i mean yeah i mean clearly it is star wars can star wars goes to a lot of uh crazy places in some of these episodes it's so weird it is is, Um, it it does get pretty weird not gonna lie yeah i want to talk about surfer jedi quinlan voss though because quinlan voss in star wars legends um uh in the comics was a main character of the star wars republic comics and he was not a surfer dude. He was a valiant Skywalker-esque Jedi who had a very troubled past with his relatives on Kifar, um, who eventually, both in canon and legends, infiltrated um, Dooku's inner circle um, to try and figure out who the heck this second Sith was. Um, dabbled in the dark side many a time, but ultimately came out on the light in both ends. Um, but in this, he is a surfer dude. Yeah, he he is a total surfer dude. I love I, I love Quinlan in this. He's just oh, the I opposite. Think, I kind of recalled you hated him. What as a surfer dude? Not anymore. Not anymore. I, okay. I watched this and I was like, oh, this is like I, I don't know. You gotta love yeah. this guy. He's just I, I kind he's, he's kind of like the, him. I kind of he's the opposite of the kind of perfect Jedi stereotype that is that is Kenobi. Yeah. So that's definitely something that I. By, by the way, did you notice the the meme that the the accidental meme in the, in this episode? Not sure I did. Oh my god, this is the best thing ever! I don't know if you've seen this meme. I hate this meme, but I love that Quinlan does this. Um, well, if you could tell time better, we wouldn't be running behind. Yeah, uh... well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> oh yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, I that, fully died when Quinlan said that. that. No, that was that's that was before yeah. that meme became popular too. That see, yeah. Dave Filoni can predict the future. Here's another one of my famous logistical questions: Who the heck is the bone brain who gave Zero the Hollow Diary? I mean, didn't didn't they didn't we end up discovering at the end of the episode that the Hollow Diary is actually in the in the tomb of that's uh, where, one of these that's other just where Zero parts? hit it. Oh, that's where Zero hit it. Oh. I mean, as, presumably he kind of got his hands on the Hollow Diary in what what I can only assume would be a less than a legal, or at least something that was 
maybe but less than approved huts, by the Hutt shady. Council. Yeah, they all are all shady, but um, you know, they they have their internal <laughs> rules. You know that you don't think they have bylaws. You don't think they have the. I, I think they do have bylaws. I question how many of them follow them. Yeah, that is a good point. But I mean, clearly the huts seem to take their council. At least the ones who are on it seem to take the council Semi-seriously. pretty seriously. Like they uh. Yeah, they, they're it, not, it, they're is not it only coincidental that all of them are dead by the end of season five? I mean, wait, all of them? I mean, you all gotta wonder. Like, you you gotta wonder, right? Maybe it's all not at that point. Wow. I mean, Jabba's not part of the Hut Council. Yeah, he, is Jabba? It, it seems like Jabba's kind of a renegade in the Clone Wars. He, he seems like he, he's ha- uh, he. It seems like he's only part of the Hut Council when it's convenient to him. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Which is a Java thing to do anyway, so... Yeah, I, I almost interpreted it as if he might have been almost too powerful to be on that council. Yeah. Or maybe not at this point, but, you know, I mean, clearly Java is still a big shot, as as we see yeah. in other episodes of the Clone The Wars. only reason he, he wouldn't be part of the Hutt Council is because he's too good to be part of the Hutt Council. Yeah. I, I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, obviously Java, he... Uh, like him or hate him, he's a he's a he's a clever he's a clever guy. He's a smart cookie. Yeah, I want to talk about a piece of trivia that I'm sure you have for this episode, but I happen to know this piece of trivia, and I freaking love this piece of trivia. All right, the opening sequence of this episode at um at the hut compound on Nalhuda is directly ripped from another Lucasfilm property, and that is my favorite of this franchise: Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Uh, the anything goes sequence from the beginning of indiana jones and the temple of doom at the shanghai nightclub is directly ripped and just plopped in here um into what's called dahut muna um which i still kind of have in my head a little bit because it's so god darn catchy and then we get this really odd relationship between size noodles and zero the hut yeah, you I mean, get into this. Yeah, like, I, I don't know if it, you know, Sice Noodles. She's she's doing her dance number, and I have to say, the whole the whole dance song really reminded me of the La La Land soundtrack. Parts of it really, really sounded like Another Day of Sun or something. I don't know if that was just me, but that uh, well, that if, made if me we laugh. got the Temple of Doom thing, that's a jazz nightclub. Yeah, and La, so I mean, La La Land is predominantly jazz music. Yeah, so I guess it makes sense. The, inspiration is not like you know i think the size noodles and zero their relationship being played for laughs obviously it is a bit comical you know you have like a what probably a, a hut that weighs two thousand pounds and is like a 20 foot long giant slug in love with like a tiny reptile bird that looks like she I weighs reptile bird tiny reptile bird yeah Cross with an ant eater, maybe, and yeah. she looks like she weighs thirty pounds max. So, obviously, it is a bit comical in and of itself. But I think that the um, the fortune cookie kind of gets let down a little bit by the way it's played for uh, played for laughs. About us being together forever. Yeah, you you really mean that from the bottom of our fluid sack. And I mean, I, and oh, I think Jesus. there's. There is definitely something you can tell that their 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 love feels a little bit I don't know, maybe forced, you know, maybe a tad superficial. 
it's in that just, sequence. It's I'm just not sure. Written like so cheesily. That's what it is. It's written so cheesily. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't I really I, like. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just. Yeah. I, it's. It's part of what this makes this episode really, really weird and interesting. Yeah. Sice noodles. She she busts zero out. Obviously. Um, and Zero goes to his uh, his mother's house. His mom isn't uh, yeah. isn't very happy Ma- to see him. As I wrote in my notes, here's Mama the Hut. Somehow only the third weirdest part of this episode. <laughs> yeah, this like she she is actually, super. Actually, before we get to her, sorry, I want to bring up one thing: Quinlan Voss and psychometry. Uh, psychometry Ooh, is one of my yeah. favorite force powers in Star Wars. Um, we see it being very famously used by Cal Kestis all over the place in Jedi Fallen Order, and by Rey in The Rise of Skywalker, um, when she picks up the dagger and she says, this dagger has done terrible things. And do not, nobody do the whole, she picked up the lightsaber and didn't remember slaughtering younglings. Don't, no one do that, because that wasn't the point of that scene. I mean, it's just a meme. It's just a meme. Yeah, I know. Um, Just quickly, if I may, the point of that scene is, is that, Ray can detect the dagger because I think, in my mind at least, she has selective psychometry because that dagger plays a significant role in her past. Mm, yeah. But Definitely. Anakin killing younglings has nothing to do with her. So, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, that's a, but that's but a good Star point. Wars fans love to plop Anakin killing younglings into literally anything they can, so I don't blame them. Mom of the Hut, somehow, as you said, somehow only the third, third weirdest part, someone who is even for hut standards, extraordinarily large and extraordinarily grouchy, and also covered in some kind of bat. I think it's it's unclear, but it is. Uh, this episode is really strange. Yeah, yeah. I mean, zero just seems to kind of get on everybody's bad side, even as he gets, even as he gets what he wants. Well, then again, he makes zero, no friends so doing it. I think he likes just naturally gets on everybody's bad side. Yeah, and I think that that's what is that's what his downfall is is that he doesn't realize that he doesn't realize that. So now so first you said people won't that forgive him. he that he know he's an So first you said that he you think he knows he's annoying. Now you're saying that his downfall is that he doesn't know he's annoying. No, 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 no. Here you no, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. There's no, a difference. I'm joking. I'm, I'm joking. I I think I'm that joking. he knows he's annoying, but he doesn't realize that that has an effect on he doesn't people. realize that he, that has an effect on people like he know I'll, I'll just say he knows he's annoying maybe he doesn't really know the full extent of how much that ticks people off and that becomes his downfall when he uh he ran away on his girlfriend size noodles and then size noodles murders him yeah which i should add Let's is probably that. not the most measured response for a lover's quarrel but uh but it happens. I mean, me it's about... it's like in the context of this episode, it's it it's not even something that I questioned while watching it. I I didn't question that. Let me talk about something and another cool piece of symbolism here. He was also totally notice alone. that where does Zero die? Uh, right in kind of the same spot where the other hut is. His father is buried. What's his father? That's not just any yeah. hut. I forgot. Yeah. yeah. So oh. he died exactly where his father's buried. You can't tell me that's not intentional. Um, yeah, that I mean that that is completely clearly, yeah. intentional. Um and though actually 
I did realize that what is what does Zero tell Sai about his dad that he never had the heart to tell Mama that he ran away, um, that or that he died, um. So a hut who who wasn't good about uh talking to his family and talking to the pe- his loved ones would be putting it like exaggerating but you know which is ironically the same thing that causes zero's downfall so yeah like father like son yeah like father like son and thus the tale of zero ends in yeah thank god what i want uh, i want to say tragedy but also i kind of i'm not going to say i saw this coming because it was an interesting development but i mean it's zero he he did a lot of weird things let, let, he must let, have known something this. was coming um as in how it should have ended for phantom menace i said some million voices cried out in relief yeah so you're just kind of you're just kind of relieved that uh thank god he's gone zero I mean, is out the, of the clone he, wars they took him out in the weirdest way possible but thank god he's gone <laughs> Yeah, I. I also would like to ask you something. Between this and also Zero um, taking Rada to Teth, is Teth just like Zero's Mustafar for Palpatine? Anytime Zero needs something done, it's just Teth. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a hideout for the Hut clans, so I, I suppose it yeah. is. Um. Absolutely. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So finally, I got one more thing to cover about this episode for me. What do you think about this fight at the end? I mean, I like the fight. It just seems like the reason they're fighting is kind of manufactured. Yeah, it's just kind of like it, it feels almost as though they well, don't. It feels almost as though they don't want to fight each other. You know, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, you're oh, Cad Bane, you're here, and you're a bounty hunter, and I'm a Jedi. Well, guess we got to fight now. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's a great fight. I <laughs> yeah. love the fight. I love the. I love the. I love that Cad Bane really does seem like a match for Obi-Wan and Quinlan. Yeah. I just, the circumstances seem way too forced for me. I don't know. I, I just, I, I think it's hilarious how Cad Bane um, ends up, le- he leaves them hanging off the side of a cliff and then Quinlan Voss is just, looks over and grins at Obi-Wan and he's just like, well, I think this is funny. Are you amused, or are you going to be a grouch about it? <laughs> you know, I guess yeah. that's that's his whole thing. That is his whole thing. These were some weird episodes. I'm These not sure. Really I'm honestly not episodes. sure what to make of them. They felt only Mart. I mean, obviously they were related to each other, but even the two episodes that are literally back to back, the Hunt for Zero and Evil Plans, feel only marginally cohesive and consistent with one another so it doesn't even feel like an arc in my mind here's how i would think about it because hostage crisis is the event and they decide to take two episodes in season three to fill in what happened before the event and what happened after the event i think that makes yeah when i think about like that that resolves of my misgivings it's a really it's it's a really interesting arc i'm gonna give it that I, yeah. I like all of the episodes. Some of them I love. Some of them I just like. This is another thing. Um, and I think th- I think a lot of these sentiments I'm having, um, I've gotten, I think um, Alex Damon from Star Wars explained this phrase that I like that and I really like this idea. I Star Wars sometimes tries big things or like weird things and succeeds. Yeah. 
Sometimes Star Wars tries big things or weird things and they fail. Regardless of whether they whether they succeed or fail, I always love when Star Wars tries. I always love when Star Wars does something strange. <laughs> yeah. I, I always love when Star Wars does something off the beaten path. It's like why Fallen Order, for example, is growing on me. That game was like nothing what I expected it to be. That's why I loved Rise of Skywalker, frankly, is because the first quarter of that movie is just space archaeology. Even if I have some definite problems with a bunch of these episodes, which I do, I love that Star Wars tries. Yeah. What do you think about ranking these three? Oof, this is, they're, they're, they feel hard to rank. Just kind of wrapping my head around these episodes is, is a little challenging. Um, yeah, you can go first. Uh, Evil Plans is number three. Um, Hunt for Zero is number two. And I, as I probably alluded to you a bunch of more times, um, Hostage Crisis is number one. Hostage Crisis, in my opinion, yeah. is one of the top 20 episodes of this show. Honestly, um, I would rank them the same. I, I, I think they all have their, they all have their ups and their downs. But uh, at the end of the day, I think Hostage Crisis. Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it a great episode or really an episode to write home about, but it felt like it had the most potential and it had the most food for thought. Everyone, favorite part of Star Wars in the galaxy. What you've brought me today is worth one quarter portion. That's right, it is time. And today we have It's a Long Story, the mini game where we explain a Star Wars plot badly and the other person has to guess. All right, do you, do you want to go first or, uh, or you should go first. I? You go first. All right, you go first. here we go. Um, this, mm, I'm, I'm, it's kind of a, it, it's a little bit more of a deep cut. But so yeah, let Go me right know ahead. if you need some hands. I'm game for a deep cut. All right, all right. A well-loved religious leader is forced out of his organization by politicians, so he decides to travel the world and spend time bonding with his son. Wait, that sounds like the Mandalorian. You're right. I just realized that it's not the Mandalorian. It's not the Mandalorian. Is this like a weird Anakin thing? Uh, no, it's not an An. It is not an Anakin thing. Um, it it is Legends, and it is a book. Oh wait, it's Legends. Legends. Oh boy, it's, this could be anything. It's a it's um, a Legends book, but it's something I've read. So I mean, something you've. Oh wait, this is Outcast. Yes, it's Outcast. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I was like, I was debating wait, making yeah. a reference to the Land of the Dead, but I thought that would be too confusing because of the Keldor. Yeah. Uh, through cloning and dark sciences, an old leader returns to prominence. What, the Rise of Skywalker? There we go. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was, naively, I, because uh, you've only seen that movie once, I you wouldn't remember no. the direct dialogue I, from I, th it. I thought it was a trick question almost, because I was like, wait, that, that sounds like the Rise of Skywalker. Dark sciences, secrets, cloning, cloning. secrets only the Sith do. That's going to be it for this episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy. Um, thank you for listening, as always. Um, uh, a, a little bit of a looking ahead a little bit. Um, in two episodes, Star Wars in a Galaxy is celebrating episode number 50. So um, as much as we always do this, we are um, going to really push this. Um, We're going to be extending our invitations. Send us stuff, voice messages, trivia, 
questions in general, send us stuff. We'll be putting out more announcements on Twitter and all of that. We, we would love to hear from listeners for our 50th episode. Um, uh, but in the meantime, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Anchor. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, we'll probably be there. If we're not, just let us know. We can try and get on there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at In A Galaxy Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at Star Wars In A Galaxy. Um, our YouTube channel is Star Wars In A Galaxy, where we occasionally do the occasional live stream. Um, leave a five-star rating or review. It really does help. Um, you can email us with all of those lovely questions or trivia or all that stuff uh, at slbinagalaxy at gmail.com. Um, and finally, um, next episode, we're going to be doing another jumbled mess. Um, from season three, we are going to be doing the episodes Heroes on Both Sides and Pursuit of Peace. And to round out the arc, we're going to be doing an episode back in season two called Senate Murders. This is, these are going to be three very political episodes, uh, and I'm quite excited for that. In the meantime, though, may the Force be with you. Always.